On today's episode, finding your ideal cadence. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Thanks for joining me again, Run Smarter Scholars. Uh, let's have a look. I'm actually really excited to record today's episode, <clears throat> just based on the the topic itself and plenty of directions to take in. But before I get into that, um, as this episode is released, hopefully we have reached over 1 million total views for the podcast. <laughs> it is now sitting on 998,000. Uh, this is Friday as I'm recording this. So as it comes out on Monday, should just be ticked over. Hopefully um, coming into yesterday, I would have done a post that says, hey, I've reached 1 million views. Happy days. So um, talking to my future self there. Uh, massive milestone for me, um, as it would be for most podcasts. It's such a uh, uh, such a round number, um, and very very excited. Didn't think it would be this quick before I got to that particular milestone. Um, and who knows? Who knows what the next million views will will be, and what the podcast will look like, and um, how quick that would actually take. Um, a few things, a few ideas that I have for the podcast in the next couple of months if all goes well. Um, in terms of like ad sponsorship and that sort of stuff, I've just realized that um, there you can do this um, dynamic ad insertions, which means that I can place an ad if someone wants to run an ad campaign and actually stitch it into all of my episodes, all of my past episodes, all of my future episodes at a certain period of time um, and weave it in. So if someone wants to do an ad for say a month, um, they can, it'll then go out to all the, all the episodes on my feed. Um, and so I might start playing around with ideas of that. I do want to, um, explore that a little bit more and gives, give you some ideas on some products that I really love. Um, I've had people in the past reach out for sponsorships and products and just hasn't really sat right with me, um, in terms of the type of product and, just I want to have something that will add value to you because I know who you are. I've done a lot of work with, um, you know, what your desires are, passions and that sort of stuff. And so if there's a product that I think will, I, I love and I think you would love, it's going to, um, I'll be reaching out to people or accepting um, proposals in the future and hopefully we can get some deals going your way. Hopefully we can get some discounts and things that um, will give you value and um, help you run smarter, rehab smarter, 
get to races um, safely and that sort of stuff. So might be something that is a bit different coming into this particular year. And another income stream would be nice because another announcement, my girlfriend is pregnant and we're going to have a baby girl um, due in June this year. So our first and excited about that, but <laughs> um, Megan's going on mat leave and maybe taking some extended time off after that. And I'll be the sole income provider of the family. So a little bit scary in that sense, but um, looking for creative ways to you know, generate some more income, but also give value to you at the same time. So let's see, let's see how we go. <laughs> Sometimes these actions come off necessity and this is a big necessity that I've um, started sort of triggering myself into a bit of action. But enough about that. Um, today I'll be answering a question coming from Horsty, who actually submitted a question on what would have been on the previous Q&A episodes that I just did, but really loved the question, so thought I would turn it into a solo episode as um, there's plenty to dive into, plenty of things to dissect. And so Horsty asks, how, oh, I have slowly increased my cadence over time with a metronome and I am now at 178 steps per minute. I'm feeling comfortable with it, but how do I know when I have reached my ideal cadence? Thank you. Thanks for submitting your question, mate. Um, I, there's, Like I said, there's a lot of things that we could do to, a lot of directions we could take to answer this. I might go a roundabout way of answering this because a roundabout way, you sort of get more information, um, get more uh, value out of this episode. Um, and well done for, like you say, you've increased it gradually over time. I think um, you said it was a couple of months in your um, extended answer or extended question, um, which is a good thing because I've seen people take dramatic swings in their cadence trying to increase it. And they've actually overloaded themselves because when you try and increase your cadence and try and um, increase your step rate, swing your legs over quicker, I've seen people get some hamstring tightness or hamstring strains. I've seen people with hip flexor issues just because their hip flexors are pulling their leg through that swinging action um, slightly higher or with slightly more force and then they're increasing the step rate. And so that, if that transition period is too abrupt, you know, you can develop some hip flexor stuff. And so well done for making sure it is gradual. And you can, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to increase your step rate or cadence gradually. Um, you can do it just <clears throat> slowly over time. Say this week, I'm going to keep to 172 and then the week after that, 175 and then 178. That's <clears throat> an, an easy way to do it. You can do it in intervals as well. So you can say, all right, I'm, I've got a 30 minute continuous run to do today. Let me just warm up in the first 10 minutes. I'm going to do my normal stuff and then 10 minutes in the middle, I'm going to try and increase my cadence a little bit. And then for the last 10 minutes, I'm going to go back to my natural, what, what feels natural for me. So that's a, a gradual way to introduce these things as well. There's no right or wrong, um, unless you get hip flexor, hip flexor issues. <laughs> so then it would be wrong, but keep in mind that it does need to be gradual and you are listening to your body as you make that transition. Horsty says that he's using a metronome, um, yeah, some people, a metronome will drive them crazy. Um, others are totally fine with a metronome. So up to you if you want to do that. You can do it continuously 
or you can do it sort of like in bursts. You can start out natural or try to increase your cadence without a metronome. And then, you know, within 60 seconds mid run, you could turn that metronome on and see if you're sort of reaching that rhythm or that tempo, um, just as a bit of feedback, just to check in. You can use music, uh, which is probably more tolerable than listening to a beep. Um, and then you, you can eventually wean off that. You can listen to music and then, um, yeah, just just gradually wean it off and see if you can maintain that cadence. I know when I very, very first started running, um, it was, uh, I think I was about two or three years into physio. And at that stage, I was um, not really into heavy into the research, following the gurus I follow now. Um, I was just listening to some other physios about cadence and I bought into the everyone should should strive for 180. So I got my playlist. I um, found a playlist at 180 beats per minute and then I would just run 5Ks around the block um, listening to that playlist. And so my thoughts on that have changed now. Um, If you've listened to any previous episodes, you know that um, those thoughts, oh, well, 180 isn't the magic number for everyone, which I'll talk about in a second, but that's what I started with. Um, and then I just weaned off, uh, listening to that. I sort of knew what songs were at 180 tempo. And then I'd just listen to podcasts or listen without music. And then every now and then I would just think of one of those songs and try and run to that rhythm. Um, I'm probably going to share the, the most embarrassing thing I ever have on this podcast before, but I would, um, my usual go-to was Missy Elliott, uh, get your freak on. <laughs> and for a couple of reasons, one, obviously it's 180 cadence. Um, but two, it just starts off with a beat and a tempo and a rhythm. That's just immediate. It's just like the dun, 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 And it just like, that's how it starts. And it's just got this very easy tempo to, get used to. So what I'd do is I'd pause whatever I was listening to. It might've been a, a song not at that tempo, or it might've been a podcast I was listening to and just be like, okay, let's check in. I'd like play that song in my head and I would see if my feet are tapping into that rhythm and I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm tapping into that rhythm. I'm sort of um, running at that cadence and I'd start listening to my podcast again. And so probably a way that you can start off with a lot of music, like I say, a whole playlist, and then you can, you know, have this occasional feedback just to see if you're still checking in and still on that, that tempo. Um, some common mistakes though, that people do when they try just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow and increase their cadence in that sort of fashion is they increase their speed. They just run fast. And essentially what you're doing with your cadence is you're just trying to turn your legs over quicker. And so people try and turn their legs over quicker without taking shorter steps. And there's a there's sort of a bit of a, a seesaw effect that happens here. What you want to do is shorten your stride, shorten the steps, your, your distance in your steps, um, 
but try and run at the same speed. But some people try to increase their cadence, but don't do so with a shorter stride. They keep their same step length and try and run um, with a faster cadence and your body has no option but just to run quicker. And so you get out of breath. Sometimes you get an overuse injury um, and yeah, you run into trouble, which is why I always recommend if you've listened to other podcast episodes or blogs, my social media stuff on YouTube, you'll know that the perfect solution for that is to run on a treadmill. So cadence training on a treadmill, your speed will stay consistent. So you have, you don't have the option to increase your speed. And so you have no choice but to shorten your steps unless you want to hit the front of the, the treadmill, which is no good for anyone. Um, so you can start on a treadmill and then transition to outdoors. Um, that could be an option for you as well. If you find that you're increasing your cadence and you're getting out of breath and then you check your watch and you're running way too fast, um, can be something, an option for you if that's uh, if you fall within that. But I guess a good question to ask is why do we want to increase our cadence in the first place? Well, you probably don't need to unless you are below your optimal cadence. But if you are suboptimal and then you increase your cadence into an optimal range, what you are then doing is then creating a more efficient stride. So more efficiency just means you're working less. If you're working less, it means there's less strain on your body and it means that you're increasing your running economy, which means that you can achieve a greater running performance. It means that if you are if you're more efficient, if you're if let's just say you're running with a friend, you're both running at the same speed and your friend is less efficient, then they're working harder to operate at the same speed. If you wanted to try and w- run with your friend and you wanted to run at the same effort, but you were more efficient, you would then run faster. So if it was a race, you would then um, win that race. So stride efficiency, running economy, all that sort of stuff um, is very advantageous for runners for both injury prevention and for performance. And therefore, if you want, if you had to try and find a cadence that is within your optimal or your ideal cadence number, you know, it'd be worth doing that. Like I said before, it's not 180. When I graduated and started following some physios talking about running, they were saying, yep, 180 is the magic number. It's what every runner should strive for. And we now know based on research that everyone's different. Everyone has different mechanics. Everyone has different anatomy, different shapes and sizes. And their optimal cadence, their ideal cadence number will be different from one another. There was a researcher, Adam1040, who put a, um, released a paper and said that, um, not too sure of the actual study design, but they found that those who have um, who are taller, actually their optimal ideal cadence is lower than someone who has, who's shorter, who has shorter legs. They can tick their legs over quicker in a more efficient way, whereas taller people have something a little bit less. Their ideal cadence is a little bit less. But general rule of thumb, most people will fall within, their ideal cadence will fall within 165 and 185. So if your cadence is less than 165, definitely if it's less than 160, you're most likely, you will most likely benefit from an increase 
in your running cadence. My cadence is 182. I don't know if that's because that's what I practiced when I didn't know any better, but I run with a 182 cadence and it feels effortless for me. It doesn't even feel like I'm putting in much work. Um, It just is natural. It's a natural rhythm. Um, I feel like that's even with my slowest running at like six minute per kilometer, six and a half minutes per kilometer, like a nine minute per mile pace. Um, That's my cadence and it feels great. feels great for me. Um, And... But I would say that like a higher cadence isn't necessarily better. Like you could get these diminishing returns. Like if I tried to run at a cadence of 190 or if I tried to run a cadence of 200, I would then be even, I'd be working higher and harder than my ideal cadence and my heart rate would start increasing. My effort levels would start, you know, increasing because I'm actually working harder now to maintain that higher cadence. So it kind of defeats the purpose. So you will need to, you'll fall within this ideal range and um, it'll become less efficient on either side of that that value. Because some people just think, oh, well, you know, if more is better, if higher is better, let me just see how high I can go. But no, you'll run into trouble further uh, on the other side of that equation. Um, so if you are below, if you are lower than what you feel is your ideal cadence, um, you can change it. Like I say, change it gradually. Um, and most people, we have that general range, 165, 185. If I jump on a, an injury chat with one of you listeners and I say, oh, what's your cadence? You say, oh, it's you know 178. I say, you know what? We probably don't need to know what your ideal cadence is. I think that's a good range for most. So unless we need to get really specific or unless you're, you're injured and maybe an increasing cadence would really start to move the needle, then maybe we might make that justification. But for most people, I say, you know what, you're pretty fine. But if you do want to find that one number, that ideal number, and you do want to get really scientific, here's what you should do. Okay, if you're on the journey for optimal cadence, if you want to find that ideal number and get really scientific, here's what you need to do. One, you need to have a treadmill. You need to put it on 1% incline. And you need to select whatever your um, speed you want to test is. So I'd usually do like, you know, your casual sort of easy run or maybe like a um, whatever you do on your long weekend run. Select that speed. And you also need a heart rate monitor. Probably something that's a lot more accurate than just a wrist heart rate monitor. But if you if you just have a wrist one, you know, you can use that as well. But chest straps are a lot more accurate. You want to control other variables. So you want like a ideal um, room temperature or like a constant room temperature and make sure you test that same temperature every time. So I have a gym that has a treadmill that also has aircon. So I'd probably keep that, that aircon the same. Um, and then also any other variables, particularly ones that any variables that change your effort levels or your heart rate. So we're looking at caffeine. We're looking at like the foods that you eat, the time of day. You want to try and keep that as consistent as possible. You sort of like putting on your lab coat and being very scientific. If you were participating in a study that did this, they'd want to control all those variables. And so if you want an accurate measure, that's probably the way to go about it. So treadmill, 1% incline. We say 1% incline because that tends to mimic outdoor running. Um, 
because on a treadmill, the belt just moves underneath you and you don't need to push off because all you need to do is lift up your foot and place it down because the belt is already moving underneath you. Um, whereas overground, you need to push to gain momentum. Um, so the 1% sort of mimics that um, to the best of the ability. Um, yep, so you've selected your speed, you've got your heart rate monitor, all these other conditions are as constant as we, we can. Then you want to start off with your natural cadence. So um, you can measure your cadence with a metronome or an app or just have someone measuring you or have your device, um, your watch sort of calculating your cadence. You can do it like there, there are apps that you can, or like metronome apps or music apps. I use Soundbrenner on my phone. Whereas when you're running, you just pull out your phone, open up the app, tap the screen every time you're stepping. Hopefully you don't change your tempo and hopefully you can tap in rhythm. And then it just naturally just tells you how many taps or how what the beats per minute is on that tempo. And that will just generate your cadence. Um, but it's nice if you have a friend or someone to measure it for you so you don't have to take your phone out and change your stride while you're tapping the phone. Um, most people will just have a, a wristwatch and you can just have a glance at the watch and see what that's doing. But then you want to, once you have your um, natural cadence, once you have your um, natural speed and you've got the treadmill at 1%, you then want to just continue on that until you reach like a steady state. Steady state means like you've, it might take, you know, five to 10 minutes where your body is now in this um, steady effort level where your heart rate isn't elevating, it isn't increasing or decreasing, your effort levels aren't increasing or decreasing. It's just um, how you naturally feel and that constant effort um, as you maintain that speed, as you maintain that incline and that intensity, and then you're ready to start testing because that is kind of like your baseline. You, your internal perception of how hard things are your heart rate will say, okay, this is kind of baseline. This is your natural cadence. This is your normal cadence. And this is where our heart rate would naturally sit with all these variables that are in place. So you want to pay attention to that. Um, then what you want to do is increase the cadence. You know, you can start off by increasing it by about 5%. 5% is like the minimal change sort of required. And if you have, let me work out a, just a, quick calculation. If your cadence is 180, then 5% would be eight steps. So we're looking at increasing it from 160 to 168. And then we can do that with a metronome and you want to change, you want to um, step to that rhythm. Then you want to just wait a couple of minutes at that rhythm and then tune in with yourself. See what your effort levels are like and see what your heart rate is doing. Because technically, if we're being more efficient and we're increasing our stride efficiency, then that heart rate should stay the same or at least decrease. Your effort levels should decrease. We're, we're wanting to see a more efficient, we're wanting to see you operate more efficiently. And that can happen. Um, your, your heart rate might stay the same, but if you're increasing your cadence and everything, if your effort level and your... Um, heart rate is staying steady while you increase that cadence. And it's probably, you can probably still head it in that direction. Um, then we want to see 
if that is the case, then we want to bump it up a little bit, bump it up a little bit, wait till you get to a steady state. So like every increment, you want to sort of run for two or three minutes just to make sure you have some consistent data. But there will get to a point when you do increase and increase and increase that your heart rate starts to increase. So that very moment that that heart rate increases, we're now becoming less efficient. And so we want to stop there. And I did this on a treadmill. I did it um, for a YouTube video. I can't remember what I got to, but I think my cadence was uh, was steady. Actually dropped at around one seventy eight to one eighty something. I can't really remember. But I started low. My uh, just for the purpose of the video, I started at like one fifty, and my heart rate increased. Then I got up to you know close to the high one seventies, and my heart rate decreased. Then I went up to, kept going and went up to sort of the 190s and my heart rate increased again. So somewhere in that band was my optimal, my ideal cadence. And I didn't really have enough time or nor did I really want to test it out. But if I was to work through each little step, um, I would sort of hone in on what is the most, the ideal cadence for me at that speed as well. Um, you know, if you wanted to test out sprinting or like high tempo sessions, then maybe the, the cadence would slightly fluctuate here and there, but that's harder to test because you can't maintain a steady state at that tempo for very long. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, test it out. See what you what you think. Um, Izzy Moore, Dr. Izzy Moore um, does this sort of testing. Um, I had her on the podcast um, probably about a year and a half ago now around the episode 100 and she talked about this. She does this with her um, test subjects to try and find their ideal cadence. Um, the same test, probably with a few more scientific measures in place. I think she probably has a um, an oxygen sort of reader and um, testing, like the same thing they do for VO2 max testing, but same concept. And she's wrote an entire systematic review on running efficiency. She is the person to go to talking about becoming a more efficient runner. Um, and interestingly, her thoughts on the cadence, what she wrote in that paper was that if you're an experienced runner, who's like fine tuned their running, even if you don't care about cadence, if you've never thought about cadence before, if you have just an inbuilt sense through enough practice and become experienced in the running technique, um, and you know, sort of gravitate to what you feel is more natural as experienced runners do like all athletes, you know, if you have enough repetition you'll eventually find what naturally works for you. She found that experienced runners naturally gravitate towards within 3% of their mathematically derived optimal cadence. So if you're a taller person and your cadence is a little bit lower um, and you've had enough experience, enough running experience um, without even testing your cadence, and then we put you on a treadmill and see what your ideal cadence is compared to what your natural cadence is, you'll be within 3%. And that's close enough to say, to warrant no change. So interesting to, to um, get that sort of data or that opinion from Izzy Moore. Um, but I guess my only feedback or downside of this, this whole testing is that as soon as you change something, as soon as you change away from your natural 
rhythm and you just change something, it comes at a metabolic cost. So maybe that's why my natural cadence now is 182 is because I practiced running at 180 when I didn't know any better. And I've just become, that has become my natural run. So I am more comfortable and familiar, I think is a better word, just more familiar with that running style. And so because I'm not doing anything different, um, that motor pattern is wired within me. Um, it's now effortless. But this whole test, if you increase your cadence by 5% and see if that's more efficient, it might be more efficient once you're used to that running rhythm, once your um, nervous system and muscle system has like has this inbuilt natural sense of, okay, this is how we move now. So I guess, I don't know if this happens practically. This is just like an idea that struck me when I was just writing out this, um, the template for this episode. It's kind of like, well, maybe you just need a bit more time to test. If you get used to a certain rhythm, a certain cadence, even though it is a little bit higher, maybe if you're consistent with that, you might lower your heart rate once you become more familiar. So I guess that's, that'd be the only one downside if you're doing this lab test or this treadmill test and increasing your cadence. Um, the more you increase your cadence in that session, you become more and more unfamiliar with that motor pattern and therefore it comes at a metabolic cost and therefore your effort levels will increase, your heart rate will increase, sweat rate will increase because it becomes um, more and more unfamiliar. But who knows, maybe you can test it out. Like I said, I tested some stuff out on the treadmill, found out a lot about my heart rate and effort levels. So maybe it's something you want to do. Um, Taking this into account, maybe you want to increase your cadence by 5%. And then test that over several weeks and see how that is. Like a lot of people play this long game, like Horsty. He said he's been working on his cadence for several months. Um, If you want to play that long game, definitely can do that. See how your effort levels are. See what your heart rate is like. um, And see over a longer trend how you start feeling. That's all I have. (laughs) Um, Like I say, roundabout way of answering Horsty's question, but hopefully you're enjoying the journey and learning a lot more than if I would have just answered it directly. So keep in mind, um, if you want to increase your cadence, can practice on a treadmill, can practice with some music or metronome and sort of wean off that feedback. Don't strive for 180 just because you read it and say, think it's a magic number. Try and hone within 165 and 185 for most. And if you do want to get quite scientific, you can do that treadmill test. Hope you enjoyed. Looking forward to the next Uh, 1 million views of the podcast and seeing where it takes us. And remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based, long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.